Byzantine icon of the Apostle James, the brother of Jesus. Who is wise, and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Submit yourselves, then, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. The Apostle James wrote to a church facing all kinds of challenging adversity in their daily lives. Some of the believers responded wisely to their troublesome circumstances. Yet others dealt with their trials and tribulations by being troublesome people themselves. It was this breakdown in the church fellowship which spurred James to write his letter. The surface problem was infighting. But James wanted to get down to the root issues below the surface. Like a doctor understanding the pathology of the body, James diagnosed the real problems, and gave a clear treatment plan on how to proceed together in the Christian life. His prescription for spiritual health in the body of Christ was not medication but a lifestyle change. Today's New Testament lesson answers three diagnostic questions which ailed this ancient church. First diagnostic question, who is wise and understanding among you? Wise persons live a good life, demonstrated by their humble actions. They have trained themselves in the ways of God through the Scriptures. Wisdom in the Bible is much like driving a car. You try to keep your eyes on the road and drive defensively while often making quick decisions on the road. You don't fret about why there is a tight curve or an upcoming stop sign. You don't try and determine the philosophy behind the mechanics of a stoplight. You just try to do what needs to be done on the road to get where you need to go. And as you drive you respond to the road conditions and pay attention to the other drivers. Wisdom in the Christian life is more than knowledge, it is also being attentive to the other people around us as we seek to live for God. We respond to every adverse road condition that comes along with a mind dependent on God and humble heart willing to be directed and redirected by God's Holy Spirit. The unwise person sits and harbors selfish resentment in his heart when he has to wait 10 minutes on a train to slowly rumble by on the tracks. The same person then desires to take off like a bat out of hell, freely expressing his road rage at another slow driver in his way. In his lack of wisdom, the person justifies himself as wise because he believes his destination warrants his way of driving. He has convinced himself that he must drive the way he does. And if pulled over by a police officer, he deludes himself in thinking the officer has a problem for standing in the way of him getting where he wants to go. Conversely, wise people are characterized by a different set of motivations and practices. Humility and attentive consideration of another's need. Moral purity and being set apart for Christian service. Peace and harmony, championing the common good of all. Empathy and an understanding spirit that does not retreat into judgmental criticism or attacking others, putting themselves in another's shoes and to first understand before trying to be understood. Submissive to the truth with a teachable spirit and deliberately implement necessary changes to their lives. Merciful, seeking compassion in action. Impartial, steady and consistent, with a predictable godly character. Adverse road conditions and selfish drivers do not throw them off.
sincere, genuine, and vulnerable with a willingness to face their own dark shadows and have no ulterior motives. God cares as much about why we do what we do and how we go about it, as He does the actual action and its end result. God desires true wisdom, not false wisdom. In diagnosing false wisdom, there is jealous bitter envy and plain old selfishness. The source of the problem is the devil. And if the problem goes unchecked and no lifestyle changes are made, the body will break down into disorder and evil destructive behavior. In diagnosing true wisdom, there is evidence of good deeds done from a good heart devoted to God. The source of the good actions is humility. This results in the good spiritual health of righteousness, right relationships with both God and others, and peace, harmonious relations with both God and others. Second diagnostic question, what causes fights and quarrels among you? After examination, the problem comes from certain desires that act like a disease. The presenting symptoms are verbal battles and animosities. The cause is desire or pleasure, Greek, delta omicron nu nu, from which we get our English word hedonism. Hedonism is the belief and practice that pleasure is the chief good in life. It is a consuming passion to satisfy personal wants, and the willingness to do whatever it takes to obtain those wants. The cause of all the infighting was hedonism. Certain people wanted what they wanted, and they would do whatever it took to get it. Hedonism twists our perspective. It skews our judgment. Hedonism calls 911 from the drive through at McDonald's when they run out of chicken nuggets, true story. Hedonism is a cancer in the body of Christ. It makes small things big and big things small. Hedonistic desires will do anything it takes to gain satisfaction. A passage in the Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis has the senior devil giving his understudy, Wormwood, some advice. Greater than never forget that when we are dealing with any pleasure in its healthy and normal and satisfying form, we are, in a sense, on the enemy's, God's, ground. I know we have won many a soul through pleasure. All the same, it is God's invention, not ours. He made the desires, all our research so far has not enabled us to produce one. All we can do is to encourage the humans to take the pleasures which our enemy has produced and get them to go after them in ways in which he has forbidden. An ever-increasing craving for an ever-diminishing pleasure is the formula. Greater than. Greater than C.S. Lewis, Screwtape Letters. There is an alternative to the no-holds-bar pursuit of hedonism, you do not have because you do not ask God. And even then, if still holding on to the hedonistic stance through prayer, there will be no answer because of asking with wrong motives. Prayer as a cloak for seeking hedonistic pleasure is nothing but spiritual adultery, it is talking to God with a spiritual mistress on the side to meet the needs that God does not seem to care about. Third diagnostic question, what does God want? God wants prayer from a humble heart that seeks to engage the real enemy. Our fight is with our own pride, not with each other. If we have good and godly desires for prayer but find that we do not seek God as we ought, and come to the Scriptures discovering there is a sickness in our soul, then, the prescription is humble submission to God, resistance to evil ways, and drawing near to God. God wants people to turn from the pride of radical independence and clandestine desires to openly and humbly seeking divine help. The Apostle James was not trying to be a killjoy when he said to grieve, mourn, and wail, and to change your joy to gloom. He was speaking directly toward the propensity for people to slide into hedonistic attitudes and practices. He was directly accessing the Beatitudes of our Lord Jesus. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. In other words, true joy and happiness comes through humility. When we realize our great need for God and humbly approach as a spiritual beggar, cut to the heart over our own hedonistic pleasure-seeking, as well as all the filth existing around us, then we discover the prayer that God longs to hear. God's prescription for us is. Learn and rely on divine promises in daily life.
Do the work of peacemaking and expect a harvest of righteousness. Be humble and let grace and lift us up. Put significant effort into resisting the devil so that he will flee from us. Draw near to God, God will come near to you. So, let us maintain our therapy appointments for developing humility. Let us admit our wrongs and ask for forgiveness. Let go of bitter envy and selfish ambition. Obey the Scriptures. Bank on God's promises. For in doing so, we will discover the life that is truly life. O Lamb of God, by both your example and teaching you instructed us to be meek and humble. Give us grace so that in every thought, word, and deed, we will imitate your meekness and humility. Put to death in us all pride. Keep us from falling prey to the many temptations in our path. Teach us your ways and show us how to clothe ourselves in godly humility. Thank you for your word and help us to see the beautiful truth about humility. Do the good work of making us more and more like your Son, our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen.